begin with the second mitzvah in the Torah. The second mitzvah is the mitzvah of circumcision. And we find this mitzvah in Parashat Lech Lecha. This is God speaking to Abraham. And he tells him that the covenant between God and the Jewish people is going to be uh, partially dependent on the circumcision. So source number one is Sefer HaChinuch, number two, mitzvah two. The commandment to circumcise, Parashat Lech Lecha has one positive commandment, and that is the commandment to circumcise. As it is stated, this is my covenant which you shall keep between you and I and with your descendants after you, circumcise or all males. And the commandment is repeated in the order of Isha Kitazria, which is in Leviticus, as it is stated, and on the eighth day, circumcise the flesh of his foreskin. There are many commandments which are repeated in many places in the Torah, and all of them are necessary as the sages explain, right? So the author of the Chinuch tells us that there are some commandments that are repeated, some are not, and exactly which ones are repeated, which ones aren't, is a conversation. Now, what is the, how do we go about fulfilling this mitzvah? The content of this commandment is that we cut the foreskin that covers the head of the member and then tear the sorting skin, which is below it, so that the glands of the member will be exposed. Um, as is known to those that understand, the completion of the form of man comes with the removal of this foreskin, which is extraneous. Okay, now, why do we do this? Why did Hashem command us to do this? So that's going to be the next topic. It's from the roots of this commandment that it is because God wanted to establish in his nation, that he separated, to be called by his name, in other words, the Jewish people, a permanent sign on their body to separate them from the other nations in the form of their bodies, just like they are separated from them in the form of their souls, the going out and coming in of which are not similar. So what he says is there is a, a Kabbalistic idea in terms of the roles that each nation is supposed to be playing. And the Jewish nation has a specific role to play. This, this role is not limited to those who are born Jewish. This is a role that is, if anybody is either born Jewish or if they converted to Judaism, they have a specific role that they have to play. And that role is different in terms of a, a spiritual level, but he also wants us to be separated from the other nations of the world in terms of our bodies. So that therefore we should be circumcised and an obligation to be circumcised to keep us separate from the nations of the world. He established this difference in the golden fountain, which is the, um, a metaphor that is used for the male member, because this is, this is the reason for the existence of people, okay? So in other words, the place that makes the most sense to have a clear delineation between the nations of the world and the Jewish nation is in the part of our bodies that is literally the cause for the existence of people, right? Without this item, then there'd be no way to, to replicate ourselves, right? To have a reproduction. He wanted, besides being a completion of the physical body, as we mentioned, God wanted to complete his plan with the chosen nation. Now, to explain what this means, I think we have to backtrack a little bit. When you think about the creation of the world, it's kind of like creation of the world 1.0, creation of the world 2.0, creation of the world 3.0, and creation of the world 4.0. What am I talking about? So God creates Adam and Eve, and they have a very specific mission to carry out. They do not succeed. God then tries again with Noah and his children. I'm sorry, before Noah and his children, God tries again with the, with the creation of the, the rest of the children of Adam and Eve. 
Then after that, that doesn't work well. So God washes away the world with the mabul, right? With the flood. After that, then God says, you know what? This is not working to have all of the people of the world should have the same mission because he tries that and the that fails miserably during the generation of the dispersion when they tried to build the tower. So God says, you know, what? let's try again. And now instead of having everybody have the same mission, we're going to have a specific people that have a specific mission. And, th and they're going to be unique. Now, he chose us to do this, and therefore he wants to complete his plan with the chosen nation. Now, he wanted men to complete the creation of his body as he did not create him complete from the womb, right? In other words, what, what he's hinting at is a question that we're going to deal with at greater length, which is a famous question that Turnus Rufus asked Rabbi Akiva, the great sage. And he said, if God, well, we'll see it inside in a minute, but essentially the question is, if God wants us to be circumcised, then why aren't we born circumcised? So what he's saying is, is like this, God did not, he wants us to be circumcised, but he doesn't want us to be born circumcised because he wants us to recognize that we have a role to play to bring ourselves physically to perfection and to hint to us, it's also within ourselves to complete the form of our soul by refining his actions, okay? So on a deeper level, to understand why God created the world, not really going to be possible, right? We don't, we don't understand enough of God to actually figure out what does God get from creating us. However, what we are told is that on some level, God created the world because he wanted to do good to us and he wanted to give us good. Now, he did not want us to give us good that is called undeserved good because unlike, uh, you know, growing up today in America, everybody gets a participation trophy. Now, when I was a kid, if we got a participation trophy, we would throw the trophy back we wouldn't want that trophy. You only want to get it if you actually deserve it. So God says, we're only going to give you a reward if you deserve a reward, if you work for that reward. Because if you get it without working for it, it doesn't feel good, right? So therefore, God created us imperfect, right? So if, if one would say, well, is God, if God is perfect, how could he create something that is imperfect? So number one, this is a big part of what Hasidut, right? The teachings of Hasidut, is all about this idea of how could God, who is perfect, create a world that is less than perfect. But number two, I think the answer is, well, it is the execution perfectly of what God intended. God intended to create a world that is not perfect because he wants us to perfect that world. Now, so too, the same way he wants us to perfect that world, as a sign to hint to us that it's within our capabilities to do so. How does he do that? He creates us imperfect physically. And to fix that, that's a very easy fix, right? At least when the baby is only eight days old, it's an easy fix. So he created us with this very easy fix physically, and that will help us remember that it is also within our capabilities to actually refine our soul and thereby carrying out God's will for what he created us for. Now, the laws of the commandment upon whom is the circumcision of infants incumbent, as well as the circumcision of slaves, the homeborn, a Canaanite slave that a maidservant gave birth to in the house of a Jew, and those acquired with money, which means a Canaanite slave that was acquired when he was born, and the difference between them, in which way is Shabbat and holidays pushed off for him? In other words, you're not allowed to make a cut on Shabbat or the holidays. It's a, it's a biblical prohibition. However, for the sake of making a Brit Milah on the eighth day, if the eighth day falls out on Shabbat, the eighth day falls out on Yom Tov, you are actually allowed to do the Brit Milah. Which infant has a circumcision delayed for more than eight days, right? If you have certain children who uh, are not fully developed yet, children who are yellow, they're drawn this. So the, the tradition is that you push off 
for more than eight days, are all elucidated in chapter 19 of Shabbat and in chapter 4 of Yivamot. And there, in Shabbat, it is elucidated that the one who circumcises recites the blessing. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commandments concerning the circumcision. And the father of the child or the court where there is no father present recites the blessing. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us to bring him into the covenant of Abraham, our father. And the one standing there respond, just as he had merit for the circumcision. May God let him have merit for the wedding canopy and for good deeds. So, okay. My, my Zoom buttons are not working so well today. And it is practiced in every place and at all times, right? So remember, there, there are three different things that the chinuch is always going to try to establish about every mitzvah. First of all, what the actual um, idea, where is the source in the Torah for the mitzvah? Then he will establish why, what, how exactly we carry out the mitzvah. What are the reasons for the mitzvah? And then the fourth thing is, to whom does this mitzvah apply? And where and when? So he says over here, it's practiced in every place and at all times. And women are not obligated regarding the circumcision of their sons just the father, or the court if there's no father present. And one who transgresses this commandment and does not circumcise himself, when he reaches the category of those who can receive punishments, which is 13 years and a day, each day that he transgresses it from when he has grown and does not circumcise himself, violates a positive commandment. And if he dies and was uncircumcised by choice, he is liable for exigen. But the father is not liable for exigen for the lack of circumcision of his son, but he does transgress a positive commandment. And there is no positive commandment in all of the Torah, the negation of which one makes one liable for exigen, besides this and the slaughtering of the Passover sacrifice. Now, to be clear, this idea of being cut off, right? The word in Hebrew is karet, right? To be cut off. What exactly does it mean is a big dispute, many different opinions. But let's assume that it means that the punishment will not just be to die young. It will also be to have get punished in the world to come as well, to be removed from the presence of God. Now, why is the circumcision such a incredibly powerful mitzvah? Generally speaking, when you talk about not doing a positive commandment, the punishment is not so severe. But this, there are two positive commandments for which the punishment is so severe as to be cut off from God. What are they? They are not getting circumcised and they are not eating from the Passover sacrifice. Now, why specifically these two positive commandments is it such a a, a negative consequence if we forget to do them or don't end up doing them, right? Any other positive commandment, you know, um, let's think. Positive commandment, you know, to put on tefillin, to put on tzitzit, um, you know, the, the, the punishment is not so severe, right? You have to bring a karban, right? But we don't have to do this. You don't have to get punished by being cut off from God. So why specifically these two commandments? Well, what's so unique about these two positive commandments, right? So if you think about it, these two positive commandments are ways in which you join into the mission of the Jewish people, right? They are, they are uh, person-defining type missions, right? So defining who you are as a person in a very, very physical way and something that is always going to be recognizable for the rest of your life, that is a way of saying, I am part of this club. I am part of this, this group of people who are, who are really striving to reach higher levels and are striving to carry out a specific mission. 
Now, the Passover sacrifice, according to many, the idea of the Passover sacrifice, it was the sacrifice that was brought as when people convert. So the law is that if someone converts, they actually have to bring a sacrifice. Today, when people convert, they can't bring a sacrifice because there is no temple, right? So the Gemara tells us that when the temple is rebuilt, people who've converted will have to then bring their sacrifice at that point. Pesach, the original Pesach, it was a time when the entire Jewish people was having a national conversion. So therefore, we all joined in communally to bring a sacrifice, right? To show that we have now accepted upon ourselves this mission. So these two things, there's kind of like the, what defines you, who you are as an individual and what defines you as part of what group. So that's why these two positive commandments, if you don't do them, you're in deep trouble. Can I ask you a question, Rabbi? Um, Go ahead. Why, uh, I, I, maybe I'm blanking out, but like, uh, who are the other prominent characters in the Tanakh? I know Moshe Rabbeinu, but like in between Avraham and Moshe, like, is there like a reference to, do we, is, does the text make a big deal out of other uh, characters and their bris? Like, I can't remember, like with Yitzchak, with uh, Jacob, so with, with uh, Yitzchak, the 12 yes. brothers. Like, yes. I don't remember that, but I'm also like an awful student of the text. So like, you know. We all forget it. I'm saying it as we do it every year because we need to review, right? So, right. Um, so Yitzchak, obviously, yes, because Yitzchak right. is at eight days old, is, right. you know, very prominently circumcised. Right. Um, Yaakov, we are not told, and, and the, the other brothers, we are not told, you know, the 12 tribes, we are not mentioned that they made a big deal out of it. Um, the assumption certainly is that they were doing circumcision. And we definitely see by, by Moshe, as you're pointing out, that famous story, how his wife has to circumcise their son because uh, Moshe is about to get uh, swallowed up because, because of the fact that he had not done the circumcision properly. That, by the way, is one of the sources for women being able to do a Brit. Um, there was a story I don't want to stay with who because she doesn't want people to know, but there's a, there was a child in Palo Alto who had some sort of issue where they were not able to do a circumcision, you know, at eight days. And only after about a year, they were able to do a circumcision. Now, Rabbi Leibowitz, who is the local Mohel, cannot do a circumcision at a year. That's already more of a medical procedure. So he asked if the urologist who was going to be doing it in Stanford, is there any way that he could like hold a knife at some point or not. And the urologist was trying to work with him and said, the only way that we can have that happen is if you find someone who has um, operating privileges in Stanford. So a certain woman in the community, she actually did the circumcision on, on this boy because there's a question, can women, can women do a circumcision? And the reason why there's a question is because since women themselves don't have an obligation to do a circumcision, maybe they are completely excluded from the mitzvah of being involved in a circumcision. But end of the day, women can still do the circumcision. Part of the way that we prove it is from that story with Sipora that she does the circumcision for, for their son. Now, in terms of that question, while we're on it, so my daughters are very much, um, uh, they're very feminist. And I think it probably has something to do with, not, it didn't really come from me, but it probably comes from Leah being, being a, a staunch feminist. So um, they always like to, to tell me, you know, you guys have to wear a tzitzit and you guys have to wear a kippah because you guys need more mitzvot because you're not so, you don't have such a connection, an innate connection with God, therefore you need more mitzvot. They don't talk that much about the circumcision. I don't, I don't know how much they know, they know about circumcision exactly. Uh, but that's clearly along the same lines, right? The same idea that women wouldn't have the same need for that because women in general are considered to be more internally defined. Men are considered to be more externally defined. And therefore men need more of these external reminders 
as to the nature of the relationship with God, whereas women have more of a internal relationship with God, more of an inherent connection with God. Obviously, we're generalizing, but in terms of the mitzvah, that's why the mitzvahs are, are sometimes defined differently for men and for women. Hmm. Okay. So we have over here the, the Rambam. So the Rambam is in the Mora Nebuchim, the Guide for the Perplexed. In the third part of the Guide for the Perplexed, which is the, the Rambam's famous book, in Maimonides' famous book, in which he almost, um, they burnt it, you know, they, he got in a lot of trouble for this. This is one of the first books that were banned by the Jewish people, because people thought that it delved too much into philosophy and sort of uh, took like a little bit of a turn away from the fact that the reason why we do mitzvot is even if they are non-rational, we still do them because we believe that God commanded us to do them. The Rambam himself certainly did all the mitzvot. But people were concerned that people would start thinking, perhaps we should only do the mitzvot, which are rational. And I think one can make the argument that perhaps uh, about 600 years later, when Moses Mendelssohn came around, and he himself was still fully religious, but he also took this argument a little bit further and probably ended up causing like the roots for modern day reform movement that would, uh, that would say, we do what is rational and we don't do what is not rational. And that was a concern that people had with the Rambam. Now, when the Rambam... He actually, in his third section in the Guide to Perplexed, he actually goes through the reasons for the mitzvot as well. So let's see what his reasons are. As regards circumcision, I think that one of its objects is to limit sexual intercourse and to weaken the organ of generation as far as possible and thus cause man to be moderate. So the Rambam is of the opinion that the it is very, there's a little bit of a dispute here in different uh, approaches to how we are supposed to interact with material needs and physical needs in this world. The Rambam took the approach that we should always be limiting these things as much as possible, right? And do whatever is exactly necessary and no more, right? So that the Rambam therefore went with the idea that through having a circumcision that actually will cause us not to be as engaged in sexual matters. Um, some people believe that circumcision is to remove a defect in man's formation, but everyone can easily reply. How can products of nature be deficient so as to require external completion, especially as the use of the foreskin to that organ is evident, right? So you can't say that the circumcision is because foreskin has a physical issue and it causes physical issues. That's not true. The Ram says that cannot be. This commandment has not been enjoined as a complement to a deficient physical creation, but as a means for perfecting man's moral shortcomings. The bodily injury caused to that organ is exactly that which is desired. It does not interrupt any vital function, nor does it destroy the power of generation. Circumcision simply counteracts ex excessive lust, for there is no doubt that circumcision weakens the power of sexual excitement and sometimes lessens the natural enjoyment. The organ necessarily becomes weak when it loses blood and is deprived of its covering from the beginning. Our sages say distinctly, it is hard for a woman with whom an uncircumcised had sexual intercourse to separate from him. This is, as I believe, the best reason for the commandment concerning circumcision. Okay, so the Rambam tells us why is the main reason? The main reason has to do with lessening our lust and desire for sexual relations. And we're not talking about forbidden sexual relations. Remember, the Rambam is expressing a thought that the less we engage with this world in matters that are physical, the better off we will be. So we're going to skip now to the 12. There is, however, another important object in this commandment. It gives to all members of the same faith, to all believers in the unity of God, a common bodily sign. 
so that it is impossible for anyone that is a stranger to say that he belongs to them. Or sometimes people say so for the purpose of obtaining some advantage. And you imagine the Torah in the Rambam's times, you know, I wonder how many people would do this today, get circumcised because they want to be like the Jews, or in order to make some attack upon the Jews. No one, however, should circumcise himself on, or his son for any other reason but pure faith. For circumcision is not like an incision on the leg or a burning in the arm, but a very difficult operation. It is also a fact that there is much mutual love and assistance among people that are united by the same sign and they consider it as the symbol of a covenant. Circumcision is likewise the symbol of the covenant which Abraham made in connection with the belief in God's unity, right? So circumcision is a symbol of being members of a club, right, of a unique club, and also the symbol of a special covenant that Abraham has in terms of his belief in the unity of God. So also everyone that is circumcised enters the covenant of Abraham to believe in the unity of God in accordance with the words of the law. This purpose of the circumcision is as important as the first and perhaps more important, right? So remember, the Rambam is not a very, he's always very rational focused, right? So what he's saying over here is that through having this constant reminder on you, that helps keep your brain and your world focus is sort of uh, hyper-focused on the unity of God, right? It's not a mystical idea. It's not a very spiritual idea for the Rambam. It's a physical reminder that will help keep you focused and remember about the covenant. This law can only be kept and perpetuated in its perfection if circumcision is performed when the child is very young. And this for three good reasons. First, if the operation were postponed till the boy had grown up, he would perhaps not submit to it. And by the way, parenthetically, uh, amongst Muslims today, except for the very, very religious Muslims, that Muslims have the custom that they do the, their circumcision at the age of 13, because that's when Ishmael had his circumcision, right? Isaac had it at eight days, and Ishmael had it at, at 13 years. Muslims' custom is to do it at 13 years. Today, they stopped doing that, because the 13-year-old boys were running away. So now they started doing it earlier. In amongst most Muslims, they actually started doing it earlier as well. That speaks to what this Rambam is saying. Why does God command us to do this on a little child? Because otherwise the child will run away. Secondly, the young child is not much pain because the skin is tender and the imagination weak. For grown-up people are in dread and fear of things which they imagine is coming sometime before they actually occur. Whereas you have a child, they don't know what's going to happen to them, right? They have no, they have no concept, they have no experience of what this actually means, right? So there's not that much that they're gonna be suffering. They'll be suffering the least possible. And here comes the Ramatal's very, very interesting idea. Thirdly, when a child is very young, the parents do not think much of him because the image of the child that leads the parents to love him has not yet taken a firm root in their minds. That image becomes stronger by the continual sight. It grows with the development of the child. And later on, the image begins again to decrease and to vanish. The parent's love for a newborn child is not so great as it is when the child is one years old. And when one year is old, is less loved by them than when six years old. The feeling and love of the father for the child would have led him to neglect the law if we were allowed to wait two or three years, right? A fascinating idea. The Rambam is telling us that if Hashem would have commanded us to do this at a later time period, our love for our children would negate the mitzvah. And we would say, we would figure out some sort of excuse why we're not going to do it. It's just too painful. But since it's a brand new baby and there's love already, but obviously the more you interact with and the more you give to someone else and your constant interactions, the love is going to be on a completely different level. It'll be more difficult. Um, let's see a little bit further. Um, okay, so let's, 
basically the, the last thing is just uh, this last source. We're going to finish with this. So the story goes like this. Turnus Rufus the Wicked, who was the Roman governor over the land of Israel during the time of Rabbi Akiva. So this is you know, sometime about 1900 years ago. He asked Rabbi Akiva, which works are the more beautiful? Those of the Holy One, blessed be he, or those of flesh and blood? He said to him, those of flesh and blood are the more beautiful. Turnus Rufus the Wicked said to him, look at the heavens and the earth. Are you able to make anything like them? Rabbi Akiva said to him, do not talk to me about something which is high above mortals, things over which they have no control, but about things which are usual among people. He said to him, why do you circumcise? He said to him, I knew you were going to say this to me. I therefore anticipated your question when I said to you, a work of flesh and blood is more beautiful than one of the Holy One, blessed be he. Bring me wheat spikes and white bread. Okay. So what's he saying over here? Take care, Daniel. So what he's saying over here is like this. Turnus Rufus is making the argument that it is more beautiful. The world which God created is more beautiful. Now, if you think about it, what is the Roman philosophy? What is the Greek Roman philosophy? What did they celebrate? Well, they celebrated is physicality, right? They have the Olympics, right? They celebrate the physical body. They celebrate nature, right? So for them, there's nothing that's more perfect in nature as it is created. So he says, I don't understand. Why would you possibly circumcise? Isn't God's world more perfect? So he says, look at what God created and look at what human can create. He says, look at these, these uh, spikes of wheat, right? Kernels of wheat. And look at the bread, which is more perfect. So Turnus Rufus said to him, inasmuch as he finds pleasure in circumcision, why does no one emerge from his mother's belly circumcised? In other words, he's, he's delving deeper into this point. And he's saying, you might be right that there, are, that there are things which God creates for the sake of that there's supposed to be another level of elevation being done to that item. But why did God create it as such? Why didn't God create things fully finished? Right? So Rabbi Kiva answers that God created the world so, and he wants us to actually perfect the world, right? As we see, the Holy One, blessed be he, only gave Israel the commandments in order to purify them. Now, to, to get to this in a little bit of a, a deeper understanding, I think if we look at this last source, Leo, we'll see what exactly that the root for this idea is. When you look at the creation narrative, right? So mm. at the, what we read by Shabbat, right? So if you read it in Hebrew, it's by Okay, so you want to translate that? And, 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 and let's do it without even looking at the English translation because there's a poor translation. So, so, so he, right? So, so uh, God blessed the seventh day, by Kadesh, uh, uh, by, right, he blessed and he sanctified by Kadesh Oto, Kivo Shabbat Nikol Malachto. So, what does that mean? Uh, ki, be, because I, I don't know if this is the right transition, Kivo Shabbat, because. Um, because on something, Shabbat, Shabbat is excluded from Nikol Malachto, from all of your Malachot, right? So not really. So, so Kivo, Vo means on it, okay? So Kivo, on it, Shabbat literally means to rest or to seize from, right? So you would say, um, are you going to stop doing something? If you think about like um, the, the seventh year, the sabbatical year, it is called the Shabbaton, right? Because it means right. the resting of. So Kivo Shabbat, because on it, Shabbat, he rested, Mikol Malachto, from all of his labors, Malachot. right? From all of God's labors, right? Asher bara, that Hashem created, Elohim, La'asot. What does La'asot mean? To do. Right. To so do. what do you mean? Hashem created to do? What does that mean? 
Well, because we what? live to, we live to, we, we live to, we were put into a world that has malachot, that has tasks, things that we need to do to perfect the world. I see where you're going with this. Like exactly. Part, part of the malachot are what make the bread. It's how you get from wheat to bread. Um, exactly. Exactly. Right. And and, that, and that's really what Rabbi Kiva was saying is that the, the Romans have this vision that the world is perfect as is. And might makes right, because that is kind of a logical outcome, right? A logical well, on, outcome. On another, day, on another day, you'll have to tell me why then we don't do a bris on the sixth day. Like, why wouldn't we do it on Shabbat? Like, so it's a good question. There, there's, two, there's three different main opinions given in the Gemara why we don't do a bris on, the, on either the sixth day or the seventh day. So one opinion has to do with the fact that on a biblical level, the wife would be ritually impure for seven days. And since the wife would be ritually impure for seven days, it would impure fine, their fine. enjoyment at the time period. Okay, that's one answer. Fine. Another answer is that the baby will have to go through Shabbat before it could have a Brit. And that's based okay. on Kabbalah. That's some okay. sort of idea, some sort of idea that on the, the God is the king and Shabbat is the queen. You don't meet the king before you meet the queen. Okay, that's another idea. But I think the, the third idea, and this is to me at least the, the most um, compelling, is Seven days represent completeness always, right? Mm. So the number eight in like uh, in both in Rabbi Shamshan or Paul Hirsch numerology and in Kabbalistic numerology, the number eight represents one level above completeness, mm -hmm. right? So one level above everything that could be accomplished in this world, eighth day represents a level above that. So the reason why we do a Brit on the eighth day is to symbolize that we are taking our child and bringing them into this covenant that represents something beyond the completeness of this world, something a step above that. And that's the representation that we're trying to do. Now, I, 